The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode number 142 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. I'm your host, Sean Rapier. And before we jump into this week's conversation, I do want to thank our reviewers. We have a new five-star review on Apple Podcasts from a listener. The username is Kenan C. Thank you so much uh, for your very sweet words. I really appreciate it. Uh, one other item of housekeeping is if you are a longtime listener to the show, you know that uh, every, you know, around Christmas time and around 4th of July, we take a few weeks off to catch a break. Hopefully you can catch up on some older episodes that uh, you've missed, but that is quickly coming upon us. So we have today's episode. We will have an episode next Monday, which will be the 22nd, and then we will be off for three weeks. So no new episodes, the 29th, the 6th, or the 13th. So just giving you a heads up on that now, even though we will have an episode next week. All right, this week on the program, my guest, Paige Sorensen. You are going to absolutely love Paige. She is so cool. And uh, as we discussed in the episode, we did have her husband, Scott, on a few weeks ago, which is kind of how I got to know Paige. And I'm so glad I did. She is amazing. And I got to tell you, I've shared in the past on our uh, 100th episode, kind of behind the scenes, that I do a little bit of editing on each of the episodes. And this one was kind of funny to edit because really I took out about 10 minutes of me asking really dumb questions about fashion and making really dumb comments. Sadly, I left in the episode my tremendous love of cargo shorts, but I did clip out, uh, I think, most of how much I love Doc Martin's shoes and sandals and other things. So I got lost in talking to Paige. She's so approachable and so cool and so knowledgeable about fashion that I really spent a lot of the time, you know, because since I know zero about fashion whatsoever. I was really picking her brain on some things. And it's funny, I think it'll come across. Uh, You know, we've had former drug addicts on the show, and we've had people who've been through near-death experiences and all these things. And yet I knew more about their topics than I did about uh, talking to Paige about fashion. Fortunately, Paige just made it so easy on me. She is just great. You will love this conversation. And coming up this week in my Latter-day Life, I've got a little bit of a follow-up from last week's Latter-day Life, and it involves Penny from Heaven. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And today, recording live from the Latter-day Live studios, it is my honor to have a guest for whom I am not wearing a Lakers t-shirt and a baseball cap like <laughs> I normally would. Oh, you should Because have. here, no, not a chance. I had to put on a button-up <laughs> shirt. But here we have Paige Sorensen, the famous fashion stylist. Thank you so much for coming, Paige. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. I can't believe you just said famous. Not famous at all. <laughs> no, definitely famous. And, and famous here, too, because your name has already been mentioned on an episode of the podcast. Tell us who your husband is, Paige. So I am happy. Happily married to Scott Sorensen, who was on, gosh, a couple months ago now, yeah. maybe? Or? I would be happy to be married to Scott. Yeah, I know, right? I'm all about Scott. <laughs> He's Scott so is the great. the nicest guy. All right, we got our Scott love out of the yes, way. Yes. Yeah. This is all about you, Paige. Oh, no. <laughs> so you may remember that uh, we had Scott on before. He is the author of a book, as well as he is uh, doing a video and podcast series with Gaina Lynn Condi. They came on and told us all about it. But I was so interested in the work that you do that we're going to talk all about fashion and style, and it's just exciting. But first of all, we got to get to know you. So tell us a little bit about your early life. Where are you from? Um, I Let's see. I'm from San Diego, so born Palm Springs, born in Palm Springs, raised in San Diego, the foothills of San Diego, so Ramona area. There's five kids total. I'm yeah. the middle, middle child. Classic middle child. Yep. Like yeah, I'm a middle child, okay. too. I think I'm the classic middle child. That's so funny because Scott was like, 
Sean and you are going to get along just so great. And yes, yes so middle child for sure. <laughs> and growing up in Ramona, I, I'll, I'll tell our, our audience that we were talking before the show. Yeah. And my office is like 15 minutes, if that, from where you grew up. Yes. So yeah. we kind of have the same stomping ground. And I'm so jealous. My heart and my body is just like aching for the sun in San Diego and the beach and so I'm so jealous you get to go down there and work one of these days I love Ramona because you got the foothills right there you've got the city you're 20 minutes away from San Diego I mean Mm -hmm. you could be downtown in 20-25 minutes and then you've got the beach Del Mar and all kinds of incredible beaches and Carlsbad and yeah it's a pretty cool place to grow up place do you consider yourself now how long ago did you leave California Oh, goodness. We've been back a couple times in my adult life living there. So um, maybe 15, 20 years, somewhere yeah. through there. I've been out of California for 25 years. Yeah. And when I land there, I'm a Californian. Yeah. And then I land in Utah and I go, no, nah, I'm really a Utah. How about you? <laughs> Is that similar? Or I am. Well, kind of. I love San Diego. It's definitely just wonderful. I feel just so happy there. The sun makes me so happy in the environment and everything. But I'm kind of a weird creature. I love wherever I am. I really do. I've lived all over and I just, I find everywhere amazing and lovely. And yeah, so I I think- That's the key to life. Yeah. (laughs) Like that's just awesome. Um, So growing up, were you- kind of the stereotype of the California girl? Were you driving around in VWs and going to the beach and all that stuff? It's so funny you just say you just said that. I just bought my first VW last week. I'm a big week. VW fan, being a Californian. <laughs> yes, I've always wanted a slug bug, of course, in yeah. high school. That's all that I wanted sure. was an old school vintage slug bug. Um, I don't know. I would say I, I definitely fit into the California yeah. vibe. Were you a beachgoer? For sure. I learned how to surf in Carlsbad, awesome. Oceanside. Yeah. Oh, we went to the beach it. all like every moment you could get to the beach, we went. Yeah. Mexican food, the hole in the wall. Like we need to talk restaurants after for sure. Oh, yeah. Street <laughs> and, tacos. Oh, for sure. Street tacos. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would say that I'm, I'm pretty, pretty, pretty yeah. typical California and girl. And were you raised in the church? I was, yes. Yeah. A Latter day Saint family. Okay. Yeah. So what were you into, though? Like, what was your, were you into sports or cheer or (laughs) musicals or what was your thing? Oh, I want to keep you guessing. It would be so fun to go through. (laughs) I just ran out. That's the only three things I could Um, think of. Yeah. So I was your typical just uh, wild child. I I ran the streets as a child and I had like a little bike gang, all guys. Awesome. Yeah, we did that whole like straight off of Stranger Things scene. Um, so fun. Yeah, really fun. And then high school, yes, I was a, an athlete. I played basketball and I swam on the swim team and loved it. I love basketball. I went to, I love watching it, went to every game, supported the guys team and played on, me and my sister both played on the team. And I just, I miss those days. I wish I could go back and be a little bit more present and, you know, I don't know, yeah. put a little more effort in. So, um, but yeah, definitely an athlete, really involved in leadership. Mm. And um, were you a good student then? Well, that's funny. I was usually that's hand in hand. <laughs> it's, it, I mean, okay, here's the thing. School was so lovely and wonderful. I loved it. The social side, I had friends everywhere. I just really loved middle school and high school, which you don't hear often. Mm. But the academic side, not my thing. Like I didn't love sitting in a chair learning all day. I'm very hands-on. I'm very creative. So in high school, because we're going to be talking a lot about style and fashion, Uh were you like the total fashion plate in high school? Um, I don't think so. Yeah, I was. I mean, you know, I let's see. I went to high school in 94, 98. So kind of the grunge phase still, oversized clothes. Um, I was very tomboyish, which I hate saying that because I wish there was another phrase for that. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't say I was always fashionable, but I was always really aware of it. Yeah. I, I remember I have a really young memory at age nine that I had skills. I had skills in the fashion world. And, and I remember feeling joy while putting together outfits. And um, as a sophomore, I would tell people, I'm going to dress famous people, even though that didn't exist in the 90s. Like, we didn't even talk about fashion designers in the 90s, much less stylists, you know? And so I just had it in my heart. I've had it in my heart. It's been That's there. That's cool. I've always, um, I've always relied on 
using clothes to communicate who I am. Mm. And I relied on fashion with communication even more than verbal. I felt like it was a, like a really powerful tool in my life. And I feel like a lot of people overlook that. They just, they, I don't know, you know, there's, they just see it as like a surface thing. But I, I feel like I'm expressing myself and I'm showing up every day and it just, I'm saying a lot and I use it a lot. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, that is so cool. Uh, so you get done with high school. Yeah. Where'd you go after high school? So I went off to Rick's back in the day. Good old Rick's Good old College. Rick's College. Yes. Yeah, before it was BYU Idaho. All right. I always have to ask this question. Yeah. We've had a lot of Rick's slash BYU Idaho uh, attendees in mm-hmm. that chair. You went from San Diego yeah. to Rexburg, Idaho. Might as well have been Russia. Winter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Might as well have been Russia. Yeah. By the way, in multiple ways. Uh, but Yeah. Uh, but also... Yeah, I mean, how was that adjustment? Yeah, it was definitely an adjustment. I feel like I've already said this pattern. It was an adventure. I, I viewed it as an adventure. You're the happy person. Yeah, so I really enjoyed it. Excited um, for 10 below. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and the red rock everywhere that was dreadful. Um, but really, it was it was a good experience. I felt like it was a really good experience. Uh, I guess it was just general study then? Yeah, well, I did fashion. I did their fashion program, okay. which I think they no longer have. Even at BYU, they discontinued that, which mm. saddens me so deeply. Um, but... I did their fashion program. At the time, I wasn't pleased with it, probably just because of my immature <laughs> mindset. Um, but it was great being there, made lots of friends, really, mm. you know, it was yeah. a social thing for me. Right. I, I regret that. Looking back, I wish I had taken it a little bit more seriously. But So one year at yeah, Rick's? Yeah, one year. Then where'd you head from there? I went back to San Diego mm. and... Uh, Worked a really good job and stayed there for a couple of years, and then I decided to go on a mission. So awesome! Yeah, where'd you go? I went to Detroit, Michigan. That is awesome. Yeah, I did not want to go to Detroit, Michigan, but I went. Dang it! <laughs> we've had we've had a few guests who yeah. have gone to Detroit. It's an awesome place. Yeah, it really is. It is. I had my heart set on like Fiji or somewhere exotic. So when I opened it, I was like, "What is?" what's happening but sure i'll go and i went and it out just... of fairness <laughs> in a very very different way detroit is one of the most exotic places on earth and i don't mean that facetiously i yeah. mean if you want to meet a beautiful cross-section of people were you ever in the inner cities in detroit i was not yeah. i served in ann arbor i was in three areas my whole mission so ann arbor i served on one the of the campus. most beautiful places on earth oh yeah and one of the best steakhouses I had a steak in Ann Arbor once. I'll never forget. That but is that's so funny because I feel there. like the restaurants there were amazing. I wish I had like the money a, to like yeah. hit up the culture. Yeah. It's a cool place. Yeah. That's it's a very cool, cool, very cultured and, and diverse. Um, so Ann Arbor and then also I uh, lived in Flint. So I, definitely an interesting life there. But I fell in love. You know, you always hear that everyone say they fell in love with the people. Sure. Um, and, and there are such oh, good yeah. people. You really know, good. Very, uh, unfortunately, Cl- Flint is now known for its water. Yeah, I know. It's heartbreaking. I know. But I feel like it's one heartbreak after another with Flint. Yeah. They just cannot catch a break. Yeah. So, but Detroit, talk about a big comeback. Detroit all of a sudden is having a renaissance. I know. It's beautiful. So, yeah. overall, mission was Wonderful. good experience, great experience. Wonderful experience. Like to be real, though, it was hard. You know, it's yeah. there's always those things where it's like, I don't want to mislead the youth that, you know, it was just all rainbows and butterflies. It was really hard. It kicked right. my butt literally, but it, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't change it. Yeah. That's Plus, the I best. met Scott there, and so <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. Is I know another person who, yeah. you know. So tell us how that all happened. Yeah. So Scott uh, actually was my zone leader. He hates it when I tell people that. It's so funny. He told us that on the oh, show. Oh, yeah, though. that's I right. Think he he did. did. I'm yeah. pretty sure he told us that. Yeah. So. so he was my zone leader. So we had a really small mission. It was like a. It was like a little over an hour from all angles. So you yeah. could, you could. Pretty much, I threw parties all the time. I was like, if I'm going to be here, if we're all going to be here, let's be real, let's be authentic, and let's party. So 
I would host parties every um, P-Day. And so I felt like I was pretty tight with most everyone in the mission. And I just loved him, like respected him. He was such a good teacher. I was always so impressed when I was around him. And, but, and let's face it, one of the smart, he's just so smart. Yeah, yeah. He, like, has, he is an intelligent man. He's really smart, but he has this like gift to articulate really complicated principles yeah, and just like gospel in general. He'll just calmly articulate it. And it's like, oh my gosh, why have I never thought of it that way? And he was that way on the mission. Yeah. Oh yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I have very vivid memories of him teaching and me having aha moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. So, but I honestly never thought I'd see him again. There was no yeah. like, hey, let's meet up or hang out or whatever. And so when I got home, I took a job here in Salt Lake for the state consumer protection. And he went on vacation to San Diego and like remembered that I was that I lived down there. And so tracked down my phone number called me but I had moved up here and we ended up hanging out and on like, honestly, Sean, I was trying to hook my friends up with him. He was trying to hook his <laughs> friends up with me. And it just never, it just never worked. And like a month in, I, I, my version, it, he, he disagrees with me, but my version is I just said, Hey, I'm really into you. I like, this is exciting and you're super hot. So, <laughs> so yeah. So we started dating, fell madly in love. And the funny thing is, is I swore to my mom, I wouldn't marry him because my dad's name is Scott. My brother's name is Scott. My nephew's name is Scott. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to marry a Scott. And I did, which is so weird. <laughs> Can't bring another Scott in. Yeah. And yet you did. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. How long did you guys date before you got married? Oh, I'm so bad with the numbers. So let's see, maybe four months. Yeah, it was quick. <laughs> really short and sweet. Yeah. But we both knew. And to be honest, 16 years later, I just, I... I can't even fathom, like I haven't doubted that decision. I'm so glad that God was involved and, you know, that I found him and we're good. We're it's great. Just, it's just awesome. <laughs> yeah. So you're newlyweds, this crazy, crazy kids, yes. married. And, yeah. uh, and did you stay in Utah at that time? Yeah. So we were, so I had a really good job here and he was going to school and, um, you'll catch on that sitting in a cubicle was killing my soul. So I just decided, even though this is a great job, I need to do something else that will feed my soul. And so I opened up a store in Sugar House. And it was right by the Blue Plate Diner, like 21 and 21. I know exactly where yeah. that is. Super and cool. I opened up a, just a, like a secondhand funky clothing store. And at the time, that didn't really exist here. It huh. didn't, it wasn't like Uptown Cheapskate and Play-Dohs, like none of that really existed yet. And so I wanted to bring, I grew up in San Diego thrifting a ton and just, that was just part of our lifestyle and our culture. And I wanted to bring that up here. And so we opened a store and we went down to San Diego multiple times and filled up a, a big car and truck and van and we'd bring shipments back and sell it. And it was really successful. And it's so funny to think about though. I did all of that without social media. Isn't that so weird? That's to think crazy, about? right? Yeah. So Pre no social, social media. media. How do you I get remember, the word out? I know. It's so funny to think about, but I remember doing commercials on the radio here and What and was the store called? Pages Vintage. Pages Vintage. Yeah, what Pages a great Vintage. Name. Yeah, oh, thanks. That's thanks. so cool. Yeah. So we had that for couple years and we ended up selling it. So sold my name, sold the whole store, sold everything in it, and it was really profitable and and um Whatever ended up happening with that pro or it's, post log? It's so it's still there. I think they've changed the name and they went through a period of time where it was like fancy dresses. Mm. Um, but yeah, the store is still there. And it's funny, you would have loved it because we, um, I'm going back to when we actually owned the store, but we would host like concerts, like band concerts in the evening, like in the back. And it was super funky and shady, but I, it was just so much fun to do. I, fun. Yeah. Really, really good learning experience. That so. is great. Yeah. So you do that for a while. Did you mm -hmm. love working in the store then? I did. Yeah. I loved so it. So fun. Yeah. So you sell it. Mm -hmm. What came next for you? Well, I've always dressed people throughout my whole adult life. I've always been dressing people. It's just been thread throughout everything. And so um, we moved a couple times, moved back down to San Diego. And um, Scott's job actually took us all over. So we went to Chicago, Indianapolis, Florida, back to San Diego. And throughout all of that, I worked all the time. So I was always dressing people. And I, I, I feel like I have this knack of opening businesses 
help them to thrive and then pass them on. And, and um, so when you say dressing people, yeah. like for a total neophyte like me, <laughs> let's break that down. Yeah. I mean, that's what you do. You dress people. So talk us through that process. Okay. Like, like give um, us an example of who you address and then how does that process work? Okay. Good. Really good question. Um, I feel like we should just like pretend like I'm dressing you okay. and we could go through right. the whole process. All right. Uh, so I call you up and I go, Paige, I'm invited to this thing. I need help. Yes. What do you do? So I would do like a client survey with you. So a style survey. So I would ask you really important. They seem like simple questions. I take about 10 minutes to really get to know someone. Mm. I try and read you and your personality and your vibe. I dress you, not, not your body. I'm really big oh, into that. Oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I would just figure, I mean, it's, it's important to know where you're going, the opportunity that you're going to, but I want you to be reflecting you and for you to be comfortable. So really simple questions like, what's your favorite color? What do you love to wear? What do you feel mm. awesome in? What's your favorite thing in your closet right now? You know what? Answer this. What is your favorite color? Not even to wear, just in general. Uh, my favorite color is black. Black? Oh, yeah. interesting. I wouldn't have pegged you as black. I, I like black. Okay, yeah. Cool. I like black. I like purple. And what's your favorite thing you own in your closet right now? Uh, cargo shorts. Interesting. Yeah. I, I wear cargo shorts every day of my life. Okay. The big baggy looks like they're 30 year old and that they've been lost on a beach and I found them and put them on. <laughs> the more worn out, the better. Yeah. Okay. Now, is that for comfort or is that because you like have options for pockets? Or both? I don't ever use the other pockets. <laughs> okay. No. Okay. I, I kid you not. Yeah. Other than if I have to, it's a black t-shirt, either a concert shirt or a Lakers shirt, a baseball cap backward, cargo shorts. See, you mentioned and sandals. the Lakers. See that? I feel like that's that says a lot about you. You're I probably own 10 or 12 Lakers oh, shirts. Oh, cool. Cool. I'm trying to think what I've seen you on stage in because I've watched a couple so of your... in on stage yeah. and for business, I wear this. I wear baggy shirts, untucked jeans. Yeah. And then if I have long sleeves, I roll the sleeves up. That's what that's fantastic. That's my I would style. I would totally say any any man out there dressing business casual, roll your sleeves. It yeah. changes the game for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be like my next question. Where are you shopping currently? Like, is there a store you like, but for whatever reason you're not, it's too expensive, it doesn't, it's not by you. And I would just kind of break down where you're actually buying your stuff, and then we would go from there. Um, and from there is, I gather all of that, I secretly stalk you on social media, and I look at everything, <laughs> and then I start shopping, and I always start at a thrift store, always. No matter how high profile the person uh, is that I'm dressing, I will stop at a thrift store first, because... Um, Thrift stores are not what they used to be. It's not everyone's old crap. They're getting donations from Nordstrom's. They're getting donations from mm. H&M. I mean, it's just a completely different game these days. And so I always go there to find a treasure. I'm kind of like a pirate. I love digging for a good treasure. <laughs> and um, and then I'll go from there and just kind of move my way up depending on the budget that you were looking for. But I always air. Everyone is scared to hire a stylist because... They're scared that we're going to say nothing's working. You need a complete overhaul Mm. and it's going to cost $5,000. Well, I work the exact opposite. Everything's working for you. Let's just tweak a couple little things. Let's pull your personality out. Let's show that and let's start cheap. So. So cool. All right. So how much of what you do is like dressing people for events? Okay versus dressing like somebody saying, look, I'm lost in my style, whatever, come help me go through my whole closet. How, how much is, you know? Yeah. So I, let's see, I would say maybe 50, 50. It's super interesting where I'm at right now in my career. I'm dressing high profile people. So authors and speakers and um, so yes, they have events, but it's like everyday events. So oh, like okay. a book signing or they're making a commercial for their product or, um, so I would say 50, 50, um, big events, commercials and videos and corporate events. LDS film hires me for some of their stuff. So there's that. And then there's every day where I'm talking with someone just like you getting to know them and figuring out, I'll go into their closet. I'll, um, 
like Zoom in their closet if I can't be there in person. And I'll kind of memorize their closet. And then I piece it all together over like the next week. I'll, I'll be like, okay, here's 20 new outfits you did not see that's living in your closet right now that you've never worn together. Let's do that. And I'll take pictures of everything and text it to them. So then they have like a whole log of what they can wear next time they need something. Or I will go and shop and find them something new if they don't have it. Your job just sounds like it's always a new adventure. It's so great. I like it's so great. Sometimes I'm like, is this for real? It's exactly what I wanted to do in life. And I'm so good at it. I get to lead with my strengths every day. And I love it. I love that. And I love your passion for it. (laughs) I want to talk generally about fashion, but first of all, tell us about your family. Okay. Um, So I have three children, and they're so great. I can't even imagine how I got these three children. Uh, My oldest is 14, and um, it's a boy. I should have said that. He is a boy. And then I have a 12-year-old girl and a 7-year-old boy. So Maximus, Naomi, and Luke, and um, such good names, right? Yes. strong, yes. awesome. Maximus names. was after Gladiator because we just love that movie so yeah. much. Oh yes. <laughs> so, um, but they're just great. I I don't know what to even say. I've always been kind of a working mom, and so we have an interesting dynamic where they're very self sufficient and um, not too high maintenance, and we all have a really good relationship. It's funny. Scott and I always say, I wonder what they're going to be like as an adult and what they're going to like not agree with on how we're working as a family and really fun and adventurous and just up for anything. Oh, they'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'll just tell you that right now that having multiple children in their 20s, they tell you. Yeah. They're not afraid to tell you, hey, by the way, you were really bad at this. Yeah. So that'll come, Paige. Okay, okay. Then I'll call you when that yeah, happens. Yeah. Like, How do I handle this? Well, the good thing is you don't care anymore. You go, you're 20. I don't care what you think. Yeah. <laughs> you go do your thing. Um, all right. So I want to talk a little bit about fashion. When Scott and Gaina Lynn were talking a few weeks ago, they actually had a great take on modesty. Yeah. Are you referring to their episode a couple weeks ago? Yeah, their yeah. episode a few weeks oh, ago so good. was so deep so good. what they yeah. were saying about modesty, and I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, and it's right in line with everything, I believe. Um, I believe that we are hyper-focusing on a really small portion of what modesty is in general. And so we're living in such an interesting time because modesty means something different to everyone. Yeah. I mean, it has a different definition for everyone in all different cultures. And so, but speaking within like the Mormon world of modesty, I personally think we've been teaching it wrong. We've been teaching it wrong for a long time. And, um, and I think we can do better. And so, so give us an example of what we get wrong mm -hmm. and what can we teach? Okay. Yeah. So I, there's no place in the gospel. There's no, I can't find another example in the gospel where we are teaching, um, if you have these thoughts, it's my fault. Okay. Mm. So I feel like we are teaching our youth. This is how I was taught. And and maybe it's different. Maybe it was different for you because you're mm. um, a male and raised differently than me. So I, I, it differs from house to house. But I feel like generally within the culture of um, LDS world, we're teaching, okay, girls, we need you to cover up. It's very fear-based to me. It's very, um, you need to do this so we Mm. can help the boys and here are all the rigid, you know, um, boundaries that we have for you. And I just disagree with it. I feel like we as a community, we're reinforcing to the, we're doing exactly what we don't want to do. We're reinforcing to the girls that they are objects. Okay. So like every time a steak dance has on the invitation, If you're not dressed modestly, you're going to be turned away. We are then teaching the girls, you are an object to be desired, so you better fit these guidelines. So I get that we need standards within the church, but we're also reinforcing the wrong messages. Mm, Wow, that's heavy. I mean, that's not heavy, that's deep. Yeah, so let me give you a really good example that happened to me in my life. Um, When I was in the MTC, I got pulled out of class one day by a female, and she said, an elder was uncomfortable with my outfit. Now... I fully met the MTC requirements at this time. And so they said, we need you to go change. Let me tell you what I was feeling in that moment. 
I was feeling so ashamed and so hurt and so embarrassed, like deeply embarrassed. And I went and changed. And especially when you're in the MTC, all you want to do is please God. You know, you're there to please God. And and you're so deeply invested in that. And so um, I think that was, I know that was handled wrong. And looking back now, knowing what I know and how I've, I've studied this out, I talk about this all the time with so many people. I look back on that situation and I think the only thing that was not modest in that scenario was the elder's thoughts. So he was being immodest, but we've been taught to have the female handle it Mm. or the females in charge of it. And it's so damaging and so shameful and not my problem. That was not my problem in that scenario. Yeah. That was a his problem. So um, I think we're just, we're teaching it wrong. And then there's this underlying message that we care more about the boy's salvation (laughs) than the girl's salvation in some weird way, you know? You're so right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and that scenario has happened to me so many times throughout my life. So many times. It's crazy. And mostly by priesthood leaders. And so when you're having, if you're a priesthood leader and you're listening to this, if you're having an activity and the bishop feels compelled to say, you know, the girls need to be wearing A, B, C, or D, that should not even be stated. Because do you know what's worse than a girl being immodest at a church activity? A trusted leader not allowing them in. Or turning them away. That's way worse if you think about it. So I just think we've hyper-focused on this this clothing aspect of it when really there's so much more. It's being modest. What being modest is, is giving body and spirit to God, devoting yourself to God. And so it's a characteristic of Christ. It's like compassion. It's like it's like forgiveness. It's literally a characteristic that's super complicated, but yet we're deducing modesty down to clothing, to hemlines. Seems yeah. ridiculous to me. <laughs> and, and I I don't remember ever in young men's or in all my years of young men's, modesty's a blip when you talk to young men. For sure. It's a blip. Yeah. It's not for young women. Yeah. And it's what a we're, focus for young women. Exactly. It's such a focus. So we're missing both sides here. Yeah. And then also it's really dismissive of boys and that they can control their thoughts. I feel like like my husband gets so angry when I taught like I taught a relief society, a big stake relief society thing like a year ago. And a woman raised her hand and was like, Well, boys will be boys, like the old school thing. We need to be careful about their thoughts and their actions. And I, I stopped the meeting. And I was like, that is unacceptable. We need, to, we need to give our boys that power. We need to give the men that power. Let's not take that away from them. It cheapens the atonement in general. If you think about the temple, there's two types of, just in t- and in the scriptures, there's this like shameful side of being hidden and that's Satan's way, okay? And God's, God's okay with, with how Adam and Eve are. It's, there was no shame on that end of the conversation yeah. with God. And so I feel like it's so natural for, I just feel like there's this like trap, this human trap where we just need to be shaming people about what they're wearing, what they're not wearing, you know, that whole conversation. And I think we should rise above it. We can do better as leaders. We can do better. We can not uh, project our shame onto other youth and, and also open up the conversation as a characteristic. What does modesty mean by way of characteristic? Yeah. I, gosh, you just made me think about so many things I had never, honestly, I had never thought about it. And Shame on me for that, because <laughs> I have three daughters who are amazing. And, you know, uh, I think the flip side that I'd love to hear your take on is for young women, what a beautiful dress, what a beautiful skirt. I love that top. Young men, why isn't your shirt white? Mm, yeah. I, I think that young women I've seen encouraged in fashion and lots of compliments, and young men are supposed to look like they just rolled out of a cookie cutter. I do take issue with this in general. I I feel like us adults get amnesia in some way, and it's like we project our current um, devotion and loyalty and covenants we've made as 40-year-olds onto 14-year-olds who are figuring it out. And so we need to allow 
failure is really what it comes down to. We need to allow failure. And when it comes to um, boys and the white shirt, that feels really old school to me. I'll be honest. Yeah. (laughs) We have to allow our youth to express who they are, especially in a church setting. So if you have a young man that isn't wearing a white shirt, that's okay. At least he's showing up and putting forth effort and worthy in God's eyes. And so I think um, we need to loosen a little bit in our expectations on the youth. And there's nothing wrong with white shirts, and there's nothing wrong with encouraging white shirts, if that's what your family does. But at the same time, if you say, you're not going to go to church unless you're wearing a white shirt, that's where I think we've really lost, lost the script. Yeah, I would agree. Let's talk about some fashion do's. What are some basic tips? Like people must come to you and go, Paige, give me a few like really good tips. Yeah. Okay. So my first thought is you have way more in your closet than you realize. A lot of people limit, you know, the if you're opening your closet and you're feeling emotions of, you know, disappointed or frustrated, if, if clothing is not serving you, we need to have a switch. If you're serving clothing and it's just constantly letting you down, we need to have a mental switch there um, because your clothes should be serving you. It should it should bring you some sort of positive feeling every morning. And so if that's ruining your day, let's shift up your closet a little bit. So my first tip is color coordinate your closet. Even if you're a guy, girl, whatever, color coordinate your closet. It just helps with decisions every morning. Color coordinate, really? Yeah, yeah. so let me give you an example. Steve Jobs, he wore the same outfit every day. Why did he do that? Because he was so, he had so many decisions to make, he bought the same outfit 50 times, so he did not have to make that decision in the morning. Mm. Okay, so it's frustrating for people, especially people who are making decisions. If you color coordinate your closet, you know, let's say it's raining that day and you want to wear something blue, you've taken a decision of 100 things in your closet down to seven. It just simplifies your whole life and it promotes a little bit more positivity rather than frustration. So that would be my first tip. What's your closet environment like since we all have to go into our closet every day? Um, Let's see. Second tip is I see the mistake of everyone sectioning off like seasons, you know? So it's like Mm. I've been in closets when people are like, oh no, I can't use that. That's for winter. And I'm like, let's use it. Why can't we use it now? Let's get creative. So I feel like everyone gets kind of stuck in the mindset of, well, that 50% of my closet is not usable right now because it's not the right season. When really, let's intermix it all and make it work for so much longer than three months for you. Yeah. So that would be a tip. Um, Start looking at your clothes differently. And people do that based on like color and style. Yeah, probably like thickness of material yeah, and like I get coloring. Not wanting to wear a wool coat yes. when it's hot out. Yeah, for sure. But um, but like fall colors, a lot of women mm. kind of categorize that into just fall time. Well, let's bust out the orange right now, you know, and and wear that. Love um, it. So you do have a lot more in your closet. Um, for so here's a tip for men. I feel like I need to give you a, a, male, a male tip. <laughs> oh, we need it more than anyone. I've, Let me woman's I've seen, I've seen what I and what my friends wear. Yeah. We need this. I see that you're wearing funky socks. Yes. I love that. I think I'm a funky that, sock guy. Yeah. I think that's super cool, super current, really easy and inexpensive. If you're not embracing the funky sock, but you kind of have a desire to, I would say embrace the funky sock. Um, it's just really cool. It's like, even though you're wearing a blue shirt and jeans, I instantly feel like I know you because mm. of your socks. It's just like a connector. These have abominable snowmen on them. Oh, very cool. <laughs> but see, I wear them for, not for fashion, but for ease because I go from chilling out and hanging out with friends to business stuff. And this can work for me at church, business, casual. I can wear it with jeans and a t-shirt. I can wear it with a suit. Okay. So so. I'm lazy in that I don't own any socks that aren't funky because regular traditional dress socks, dark socks don't work for me in something casual. Yeah. And, you know, white socks certainly wouldn't work 
at church or yeah, dressed up. Yeah, for sure. So you just, you prove my point. They're universal and yeah. they work with so many different people. You so. know what this conversation is making me realize is that my fashion is so based on comfort it is. and trying not to yes. think. Yeah. I am all about trying not to think. Yes. You're like Steve Jobs. You need all black shirts and yeah. jeans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm trying to think oh, of these one. These are great tips. One no, more tip. Paige, this is great. One more tip for the female listeners out there. If you are a professional female and you're having to wear blazers or button up collared shirts, always roll the sleeves. We mentioned it on mm. for the men. If you you're like in front of an audience or speaking and you're wearing a blazer, if you roll your sleeves just halfway up your forearm or even to the elbow, it then gives the impression that you're approachable. It gives a completely different Interesting. message. Yeah. So there's my female A lot tip. less formal. I love it. All right. What is the one type of top and one type of bottom? I'll just leave it That wide open that every woman should own because it's so universal and can be applied lots. Or what's the one essential? Give me the essential top and the essential bottom. Okay. Very cool question. Um, Top is a chambray shirt. So a light jean shirt. Mm. Just that thinner material. It goes with everything. It's almost like the new white button up. Gotcha. And that could go for guys or girls. Um, so I would say every female needs that in their closet specifically. And then we'll go with, um, I'll go with a basic, a solid basic. Every girl needs a black pencil skirt because you can, we're living in a time where you can dress it up and be really nice and businessy. And you can also throw a graphic tee on, tie it in a knot and put some tennis shoes on or some slip on vans and that works. So a, a simple uh, black pencil skirt is really universal. Do you want me to do men's? Uh, sure. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, or I'll just take it. Cargo shorts and a black t-shirt. <laughs> Doc Martens. I love it. <laughs> and Doc Martens. You're making me laugh. That's it. <laughs> um, okay. We're, I think it's really important to focus on the socks. I know we already talked about mm-hmm. it, but up your sock game. So my, I would say if you're in the basic sock game, let's take it up a notch or two if you're, if you're a man. Um, and then a really good hat. Mm. Every guy needs a good hat. All right. Uh, elaborate a little bit on okay. that. Okay. Because I'm a hat guy. Yeah. So you, I think you've mentioned a Lakers hat. Yeah. Right? I have about seven of them. Okay. Yeah. So if I if I didn't know you and I saw you at Costco and you were wearing your Lakers hat, I would instantly be like, super cool. I want to know him because I'm a SoCal girl. So it's just another universal thing where it serves you. You get to wear a hat. And also, I can get to know you really quickly based on your hat. You're right. I never thought about it this way, but hats say a lot about people. They do, people. yeah. Like hats are where you can really scream your personality. Mm-hmm. I pretty much have three barbecue hats, barbecue <laughs> companies, yeah. about seven Laker hats, and five or six Disneyland hats. See, That's and, all I own. And if you were wearing a Disney hat, and I saw you in Costco, I would think, oh my gosh, that guy is so passionate about Disney. I want to talk to him. I want to know your favorite ride. I want to know where you eat. You know? That is hilarious. Yeah. That is so funny. These are great tips, Paige. I'm, <laughs> I have learned more. <laughs> 140 episodes in, I probably learned more tonight than I've ever learned. Oh, like There's so much to it. And it also points out just how little I know about fashion. I really don't. <laughs> it's not a world I understand. This has just been awesome. If people want to, because you share a a whole lot uh, through your social media and whatnot. If people want to follow you and and get to know your your fashion tips, what's the best way to do that? So I'm an Instagram girl. So follow me on Instagram at Style Life with Paige. Style Life with Paige. Yep. Yeah. And I follow you and love what you're so sweet. I kind of wish I named it on the same page. Isn't that better? We say that all the time. Should I switch my... (laughs) My no, my Instagram name, Style Life with Paige. I needed everyone to know. You know, I'm in the style, I'm in the style world. I yeah, love it. yeah. So, yeah. Follow me on Instagram. That's really my only my only realm in the medias that and the interviews that I do. But I usually like I, I post anywhere I go. So, oh, uh, you have such a fun <laughs> Instagram. It's just fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Turn the page on fashion. Yeah. Right. Something. That's what it could be called. Turn the page Turn on the fashion. Turn the page on fashion. Oh my gosh. I'll yeah. have to pay you for that. That's, 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 you know, that's my marketing background. Yeah. It's funny because uh, I worry, I worry that I am not on my Instagram, that I don't speak enough to the men. So I really try and sprinkle in men tips and, 
because, you know, I'm always focused on women, but I try and use Scott. Scott's my guy. I'll be like, okay, here's a tip on, you know, how to wear your suit for church today. Anyway. I know nothing about, <laughs> like I said, I, fashion's not a big part of my life. I still remember the shirt that Scott wore here like months ago, like three months ago, That's Scott so was here. And I still remember it was because it had a really cool small collar and it had flowers on it. Oh, it was yeah. just such a cool shirt. And I went, man, that's just cool. If you're a man and you're like, where is everyone buying nice work clothes? I swear by the rack, the Nordstrom's rack, especially this one here in Orem. Like literally everything there is affordable and it's good style, good stuff. Mm. So anyway. That's fantastic. This has been awesome. Paige, I'm so glad we got to meet. This has been great. We are going to uh, wrap up the conversation with the question that we ask all of our guests, and that is, what does being a member of the church mean to you? I love that you ask this. It's a good question. I feel grateful that I know the Savior, and I know Him because of the church and the organization of the church, and I... I I am grateful that I get to wrestle with things and I get to find answers through him. And um and my favorite thing is watching Christ interact with women throughout the scriptures. That just means the world to me and that carries over into my worship, into my relationship with God and with Heavenly Mother and um I feel really grateful that I can be in a church that allows differing opinions and allows people to live the gospel the way they see it. There's room for everyone and I just I want to be I want to be like a cheerleader for that message. So, I'm grateful to have membership in this church. I love it. What a beautiful answer. She is a fashion stylist. She is a fashion expert, obviously. She is a wife, a mother, and so much more and an awesome member of our church. Paige Sorensen, thank you for sharing your Latter-day Life with us. We appreciate it. Thank you. And my special thanks to Paige Sorensen for coming in and sitting down. It's such a, uh, an uplifting, really cool conversation. Paige is amazing and uh, so open and just so great to talk to. And, of course, her husband, too, Scott, is phenomenal. What a powerful couple they are together. I just love them both, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to get to know them. Just fantastic. Uh, This week in My Latter-day Life, a little bit of follow-up from last week's My Latter-day Life, uh, where I shared a couple of really difficult things that happened on Saturday. First of all, uh, in the morning we got up and we had to take our 14-year-old dog, who we just love so much, uh, to the vet to have her put to sleep. It was time, and that was really gut-wrenching. And then in the afternoon, just devastating, devastating news that our dear friend Topher had uh, passed away after a very valiant fight with ALS. And it was very difficult, but I did share last week that the Spirit was there to comfort me and just how much peace I found in the plan of salvation. And then we had a couple of other things happen this past week that uh, also brought me a lot of comfort. On Thursday was um, Chris's funeral, and what a beautiful event. They streamed it live on YouTube, and so my wife and I uh, sat in our living room, and we were able to stream it and watch it on the television, and we're so grateful we did get to see it as his sisters and brothers and friends and ultimately even his sweet wife, Lisa, spoke of him, and all of them just talked with such confidence about the plan of salvation and Chris's testimony of it and their testimony that they would see him again one day in in his perfect form. And what a blessing that was. That was one thing that was really uplifting for me. Uh, and as far as our sweet dog Molly goes, who to whom we had to say goodbye on Saturday, Saturday night, I was telling my wife, we will never again, ever, ever, ever get another dog. I can't take it. I can't take the heartbreak. And of course, we do have a dog. We have a 10-year-old dog named Trip, who I just love to the moon and back. But we've always had these two dogs, or at least for a very long time. And uh, Saturday night, I said, no more. This will be, Trip will be our last dog. Sunday, I said, is it our last dog? (laughs) Should we be looking at another dog? By Monday, I was looking online and uh, kind of checking things out. And on Tuesday, I came up with a fantastic plan. Yes, the repairs will get another dog. 
it is time we need another dog, a young dog, to hang out with Trip. And I have to say part of it, boy, if you think dogs don't have souls, uh, think again, because Trip was inconsolable without Molly. He just laid around and at one point howled and looked around the house for her, and it broke my heart. It absolutely crushed me. So on Tuesday, I came up with the wonderful plan that we are going to get a small dog, a very small dog that we were going to get. Finally, I'd settled we should get a bulldog, just a little bulldog, something I can put in my lap and and carry with us. And, And I did a lot of praying about it, a lot of thinking about it. We looked online, we looked at pictures. And on Wednesday, I will not bore you with the entire story, but on Wednesday, we went and bought a puppy a little 12-week-old puppy, but not so little, not bulldog little. We bought a Great Dane. We bought, I don't know what's wrong with us, but we bought the single largest breed that you can possibly buy. And this dog is going to be enormous, but we locked eyes with it uh, and we just couldn't walk away. It's the most beautiful puppy you've ever seen. And her name is Penny, and she is already bringing us so much joy. And there's a wonderful gospel principle throughout life that there are lots of things that we go through that are hard. There is loss. I'll never forget when uh, my the first of my grandparents passed away, and I was about 10 years old. I thought I would never, ever, ever get over it. But then other things start to fill in that that hole in your heart. And the atonement takes over and grace, and it all finds its way to comfort you. And it's not always a one-for-one comforting. There are, I'm sure, listeners here who you've lost a spouse or a child, and I can't even imagine that pain. But sure enough, things come along, and maybe it's not another child or another spouse, but maybe it's someone else you serve, or it's a dear friend, or it's a, a family member you become closer to, or maybe it's people in your ward or it's service, or it's all things good. But Heavenly Father has a great way of filling in those holes in our heart. And uh, I miss my friend Christopher, but seeing all of the peaceful messages delivered by his family really helped fill in my heart. And I certainly uh, also miss my dog, Molly. And there will always be that little piece of me missing until I get to see her again. But Penny sure is doing a good job as such a, a just cute adorable little puppy, and it fills our lives with love. Whenever we have lost, the one thing we can be sure of is that Heavenly Father will find a way through the atonement, through other means. There's always something that will calm our soul and bring peace. And again, I will testify that I know I will see my friend Chris one day. I know it from his testimony that was shared from the pulpit again and again on Wednesday. And again, I don't know how any of it works, but I believe someday I'll get to see Molly again. In the meantime, I'm going to have a lot of fun playing with Penny and Trip. And that's what's happening this week in my Latter-day Life. Thank you so much for tuning in. We truly appreciate it. If you get the thought to leave us a a five-star review, there's nothing that helps us more. Or if you could share the show either on Facebook or whatever social media you use, or just uh, tell a friend, hey, here's a a great show that shows off really incredible people's lives. We would very much appreciate it. Well, that's about all we got for you this week. So until we meet again, there is a great big beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening.